uh, going back to Bitcoin, it's the first time where you have the monetary rules built into the code, right? It's not like with the Federal Reserve, they can just go and you know expand the monetary supply. None of us on this call, none of you guys listening can tell me how many dollars are going to be in circulation in the next 30 days, let alone the next 100 years, right? With Bitcoin, I can tell you exactly how many Bitcoin have been mined, how many Bitcoin are going to be mined over the next four years. And I can tell you with certainty in the code that the last Bitcoin is going to be mined in the year 2140, right? It's the first time where you have this type of transparency in money. And I think that when you look at the volatility today and, and, uh, and look at it from a very microscopic lens, it kind of distorts what is really going on here. Like Bitcoin's very similar to an early stage type of technology. Welcome to Bitcoin Basics with your hosts, Faris and Gordon. Visit bitcoinbasics.help if you need help buying and securing your Bitcoin. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Bitcoin Basics Podcast. I am your host, Faris, here again with Gordon. Today is the 23rd of September, 2022. The price of Bitcoin is $19,200. One dollar will get you 5,200 Satoshis. The block height is 755,271. And Gordon, how are you doing this morning? Good, thanks, buddy. It is morning. Uh, No no breakfast. I've had my coffee, but um, that means we had a guest on (laughs) because I don't... I don't get up this early. No, you um, did get up nice and early for this one, Warren. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So we, today we had uh, William from SAS Mining on, and obviously you guys will listen to the episode. But um, m- mining is something that I think you've mentioned, Forrest. It's something that we haven't avoided, but it's something that on our podcast we haven't mentioned too much because it's not really approachable. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to teach fundamentals, you know, buying Bitcoin, getting off an exchange, self-custing your Bitcoin with hardware wallets, that kind of stuff. And so stuff like mining and full nodes or whatever, that's something that I see sort of as next level, level two, level three. And also it's really hard to get into, you know, buying a miner takes forever, might take six months. In my case, I never received a miner. So it wasn't something that the layperson could kind of get into, mm. perhaps until now, Ferris. So I'm interested personally, but I'm also interested in how the average person can now get into Bitcoin mining. Yeah, I was really impressed with this. It's, um, I was not expecting to be, to be honest. I thought, oh, okay, mining, and we um, we said, okay, see see how we go with this. Um, but very, very impressed with Will. He knows what he's talking about, um, and he, he explains it, articulates it exceptionally well. I mean, they run their own podcast. And, yeah, for anyone listening, if you are interested in mining, not just how mining works, but if you're interested in getting into mining, this is an excellent entry point. And um, we are actually going to give it a go ourselves and do some some reviews and have Will back on. But uh, no, I was impressed with this. Yeah. And if you want to get, I mean, I when Faris mentioned this and we're looking at that, I, I thought this was a scam, like cloud mining, renting miners in the cloud. It's like I've heard this. I've heard this story before. And this story usually doesn't end well uh, when you try and withdraw your Bitcoin and it's only numbers on a screen. Um, but yeah, all, all links in the description as usual, especially we have a special affiliate link. Um, so click that okay. if you want to get started with uh, says mining. So I just want 
it asks us some really tough questions about consumer protection and everything. And um, yeah, this is uh, really, really worth considering if you want to get into Bitcoin mining and earn um, non-KYC Bitcoins, which we talk about. Well, without further ado, here's our interview with William from SAS Mining. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, and share so we can find others like yourself. So, Will, great to have you on. Just tell us a little bit about yourself, and we will have a lot of questions about Bitcoin mining. But, uh, yeah, just tell us who you are, what you do, and how you got into this. Yeah, definitely. And, and thanks again for having me on. I've been looking forward to this uh, all day. So this is this is a nice uh, nice break here. Um, yeah, so with SAS Mining, um, we started in January of 2018. And I'm not sure if you remember what the entire mining industry looked like at that time, but it was very different than the mining industry today. You had all these different players, like the big miners, the big energy companies, a lot of the big financiers, but there's a big disconnection between all of them. And so when we came into the industry, we said, hey, since there's all this disconnect between these big players, what if we come in and we try and help bridge the energy sector and the Bitcoin miners and make a more efficient industry? And so that's how the company started. We helped bootstrap through a small mining operation. We had done some Ethereum mining, some Zcash, and some Bitcoin. And then we had also done some consulting uh, with some larger players. Through that time, we also started the SAS Mining Podcast and really tried to plant our flag in trying to get some large facilities up and running. Uh, we're, we had some potential LOIs with some of the large utilities, but we weren't able to raise enough capital fast enough to execute on those. So we ended up raising enough capital to pivot to a new type of business model. And the business model and the company that uh, at the focus of the company that we launched earlier this year is a platform that allows you to begin mining Bitcoin with renewable energy and a couple of clicks. Because when we're doing the consulting, we're getting a lot of phone calls because let's say, Ferris, that you wanted to start mining Bitcoin today. How would you do it? It's a big problem, right? It's not easy for you to begin mining Bitcoin. You have to have economies of scale. And very few people out there have $5 million plus to invest into mining and don't really quite have the time to get started, right? You're looking at having to invest uh, roughly seven months of time if you really want to get an operation up and running in the right way. So what we did at SAS Mining was say, how, how about we bring a platform where customers can come in together so you can get started in one minute instead of seven months and for the price of a single mining rig of $5,000 instead of needing millions and millions of dollars. And so we launched that earlier this year and uh, we got our flagship facility going up uh, in December this year. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very excited for it. We've got a lot of excited customers and the big goal here is that we want to make it possible for anyone to begin mining Bitcoin. Uh, you know, just like how you saw Coinbase open the floodgates for capital into Bitcoin and made it easy for you to buy Bitcoin. No one's really done that for mining until now. And so that's the vision for the company, helping uh, decentralize hash rate. I've got a thousand questions. I'm sure Gordon does as well. So. Um, just a precursor. So we actually don't talk about mining enough. And one of the reasons we don't is, is Bitcoin basics podcast. And as you just said, we're here to onboard people into Bitcoin. And what we found when we early days back 2017, when we started, you know, preaching Bitcoin, 
Um, try to explain mining to people, just put them off. And I remember talking to somebody who wanted to buy Bitcoin, two clicks online, and it was mine Bitcoin. And they're like, I don't know what this is. So this is why we've actually not avoided, but yeah, probably avoided talking about mining Bitcoin. It was just found it's just too technical for people. It puts them off Bitcoin. Is that still the case, do you think? Or is that something we actually need to start do is educating people more on mining Bitcoin? Or is it one of those things you don't need to know how to sausage is made to appreciate the sausage? Yeah, 100%. And this was actually one of the big things that I've noticed just being in the mining industry. When you start diving into the technical details of how mining works and what it is, it puts a lot of people off. And everyone goes through that journey. I mean, with SAS Mining, I talked about how Initially, we started with Ethereum mining, and we're not focused on Bitcoin. But the more time that you spend in the space, you realize that all paths really do lead back to Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the killer application for blockchain technology. And so so to be clear, our focus right now is to help people get into mining Bitcoin. Um, when, When I talk to people about Bitcoin mining, a lot of times I take a similar approach is really explaining why Bitcoin mining is important. And then, of course, you have the people that want to dig into the weeds and you can always go down that path. But trying to shove that type of information on someone can be off-putting and maybe stop them from diving all the way down into Bitcoin. But when I explain it, I first explain the importance of Bitcoin. And I'm sure that all your listeners understand uh, the benefits of Bitcoin, why it's important. And so bringing in the mining component, the mine, the mining is what makes Bitcoin possible. Right. So if I send you Bitcoin or you send me Bitcoin, that transaction is happening and it's being recorded somewhere. And the reason why Bitcoin's decentralized and Bitcoin works is because of the mining network. And there are a lot of different entities and players within mining. You have mining pools, you have the different individual miners, you have all these other parties at play. But a lot of times when I'm just talking to someone high level about Bitcoin mining, I explain uh, Bitcoin mining is what makes Bitcoin possible. It records the transactions. It's data processing, and it's really what I think is most important about Bitcoin. Uh, I'm sure we'll dive into this at some point later in the podcast, but the the core understanding is that Bitcoin is the first time in human history that we found a way to back value with real-world energy. Many people don't know this, but many of the greatest inventors of all time tried solving this problem, like Edison, um, Edison. forgetting his name, Buckmonster Fuller. Um, a lot of these guys, they tried finding a way to create energy, money backed by real world energy, and no one's been able to do it until Bitcoin. And that's being done with Bitcoin mining. Thanks again, William, for coming on the show. And I, I want to dive into all those questions and SAS mining and proof of stake versus proof of work and methane, all kinds of stuff. But uh, I want to know your Bitcoin origin story, because I think that's that's interesting to listeners. And more importantly, what was that sort of light bulb moment for you for, oh my God, this is, this, this is it sort of thing? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I, I would say that it happens a lot more gradually than suddenly. Uh, the way that it happened with me is you, you go and you start reading newsletters, you start hearing applications and, uh, that people are trying to apply blockchain technology to, but then you start realizing that you're getting pulled into all these other areas. It's not just smart contracts. You start learning about how the current monetary system works. You start learning more about inflation. You start learning about how uh, nefarious really fiat currencies are um, in many ways. And a lot of times 
just to put it into perspective, I like to give an example. Let's say that $100 represented all of the buildings in the world, right? And you have $1. That means you can buy one one hundredth of all of the buildings, right? Now, let's say that someone goes and prints $900 more, right? Well, now you still have $1, but $1,000 represents all the buildings. So all, even though you have the same amount of money, if you just print more money, it changes the pricing. It changes what that money represents, what that money can buy you. And that's a huge problem, right? Uh, going back to Bitcoin, it's the first time where you have the monetary rules built into the code, right? It's not like with the Federal Reserve, they can just go and you know expand the monetary supply. None of us on this call, none of you guys listening can tell me how many dollars are going to be in circulation in the next 30 days, let alone the next 100 years, right? With Bitcoin, I can tell you exactly how many Bitcoin have been mined, how many Bitcoin are going to be mined over the next four years. And I can tell you with certainty in the code that the last Bitcoin is going to be mined in the year 2140, right? It's the first time where you have this type of transparency in money. And I think that when you look at the volatility today and and uh, and look at it from a very microscopic lens, it kind of distorts what is really going on here. Like Bitcoin's very similar to an early stage type of technology. Great answer. And uh, um, Faris sort of comes from a economics background. I come from a technical background. It's funny how uh, I went, I think Faris's story is almost the opposite of me. I came in, in it from the technology, but then I had to learn the economics. So as a as a computer science person, I was reading economics books, but it was almost the opposite of Faris, you know, as an economics finance person, he's like reading about the technology. And that's what's such amazing about Bitcoin. You have so many different people come to Bitcoin for so many different reasons, but it's appropriate that we have you on today because, you know, inflation, that's, uh, that's a hot topic at the moment. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but there's this tiny little project. Um, I'm not sure if you heard of it. It's called Ethereum, and they're gonna um, never heard of they're it. Gonna, <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna change the world because they're moving from proof of work to proof of stake. And I'm not gonna go through that. Uh, we've done plenty of episodes on that, but um, yeah, it, it's it's appropriate. So Ethereum, it's how they merge, as everyone knows, moving from proof of stake. Um, they're gonna save the world. You know, Bitcoin's boiling o- oceans and uh, killing babies and all that kind of stuff. Um, are you worried at all that Bitcoin mining is just going to be ostracized, regulated, or even banned? I'm so happy you brought up this question because I, I think that right now it's so important if you're out there listening that you truly understand what's going on here, right? So, uh, well, I'm assuming it sounds like they all know about what happened with the merge, so I, I don't necessarily have to talk about that. But proof of work versus proof of stake, you're seeing an, a huge attack going on the, against Bitcoin and against Bitcoin mining right now because of the energy use, right? Uh, one of the big conversations that I think everyone's ignoring is the not only the percentage of the network that's using renewable energy, but most importantly, how Bitcoin is becoming more and more carbon negative. And, and to really understand that, what, what does it mean to be carbon negative? It means that it's better that you have this energy consumption happening than if it was going into proof of stake, right? Because the big conversation is you have all this methane that's just going up into the atmosphere and polluting. Many people don't know this, but methane over a 20-year time period has 84 times the warming effect than CO2. 
Methane is a much more harmful greenhouse gas to the environment than CO2. Now, today, as a human population, we have a big problem. And that problem that you have is that there's no way to really stop methane. The best solution that we have today as a society is flaring it. And when you flare it, you still have 8% leakage into the environment. And flaring also has no economic benefit. It just lowers the amount of methane that's going into the environment. Bitcoin mining is the first time in human history that we found a way to find an economical solution to the methane problem. And as we talked about before, methane is worse for the environment than CO2. And Bitcoin miners, the way that it works is you have a landfill, for example, that's emitting methane. You can go put power generation on that, capture it, and use it to generate value through Bitcoin. Uh, right now, you could go and you could capture electricity from this excess methane, but there's no economical use for it. And transporting that energy is extremely expensive. So uh, Daniel Batten, he's done great research on this, and many others in the community are starting to talk about this more. But the incentives for this are more and more mining around the world will utilize methane. And even if just a small percentage of the network uses methane to power their miners, then Bitcoin becomes carbon negative and actually becomes a fight against global warming. Um, the, the last piece I will say on this that I think is important too is that I, I inherently don't think energy use is bad, a bad thing, right? If I cut off your access to electricity, if I cut off your running water, then your standard of living plummets. It's very hard for you to live without electricity. And so I think that it's important for people to realize that just consuming electricity in and of itself isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think that the way that you become a more sophisticated civilization that is able to help and support a larger population is by harnessing more energy. And uh, that's another important distinction. I think that it's good to harness more energy as a society, and it's good to fight global warming by capturing this methane. And Bitcoin mining does it both. Which, which actually means that Ethereum on a proof-of-stake network can never, ever be carbon neutral, not let alone carbon negative. So yeah, Bitcoin has never. an opportunity to, yeah. to actually be not only carbon neutral, but actually, as you said, like trap that, process that methane. Yeah. And so, so this is like the crazy thing that I feel like the public uh, hasn't understood yet is that Bitcoin mining is the killer application for the energy sector. Uh, it's the killer application, as we just touched on, for reducing and combating global warming uh, by capturing methane emissions. But it's it, let's say that your goal is to accelerate society towards renewable energy sources. Bitcoin mining is the killer application for that. Why is that the case? Well, let's say that you're building a solar farm or you're building some type of renewable energy project. In order for you to actually build that up, you need the economics of your project to work. If you're not going to have someone to buy that electricity, then it's going to be very hard to make the economics work for you building that energy asset, for you building that solar farm. And you're also faced with another very difficult proposition when you're building out renewable energy, is that the sun's not shining 24 hours a day. The wind isn't always blowing the way 24 hours a day. Uh, so you, you're dealing with different levels of power coming from your renewable energy. And that's something that you have to be able to account for. Bitcoin mining can help solve that. The Bitcoin miners consuming your energy are a 24-7 consumer of energy that can be shut down on a dime. And when you implement those economics into renewable energy projects, 
you have tons of renewable energy projects that would have just been left by the wayside that wouldn't have been fully built up. Now, all of a sudden, they become viable, and you have more of these energy companies implementing Bitcoin mining and, and being able to build more energy assets. And this accelerates society towards renewable energy. So now that Ethereum is not on proof of work, they're no longer contributing to this movement in both of these ways. And I think both of these are very, very important. Well, sorry, I would just want to dig into the um, the basic details here. So when you're talking about flare, you're talking about like the little flame that we see on top of oil refineries. Is that what you're talking about capturing that, that methane instead of just burning it off? Are we capturing that methane and using that methane as energy to run Bitcoin miners? Is that, am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, you're understanding that correctly. Right now, the only solution to reducing that methane is to burn it. And uh, that's not providing any value. It's just reducing the amount of methane that you see going into the atmosphere. So what you're doing with Bitcoin mining is you're, you're, you have to build a lot of, uh, you have to build a way to capture that methane and turn it into electricity and then use that to power the Bitcoin mine. But then rather than it just being burnt or flared or released, you have it being captured and used for Bitcoin mining. And are you doing this only with the petroleum sector on the oil rigs, or are there other industry sectors that you're looking at where you can capture methane? A big one uh, right now, uh, we we haven't launched the episode yet, but it is with um, the CEO of Vespian Energy. And what they're doing is they're going and partnering with uh, municipalities that have these massive uh, these massive landfills that are just emitting methane. So they'll actually go and capture um the methane from these landfills to go and power the Bitcoin mines. Um, but the, the big question is, is what, what areas do you go and you try and put the mines by, right? So you want to find areas where there's enough methane being emitted that can be captured to power Bitcoin mining. And uh, I mean, this is very useful for the communities. He was explaining how the, all of a sudden this waste, this waste that is polluting is now all of a sudden being captured and being monetized and helping the local communities. Um, and I think that you're going to see a lot more of this over the um, over the coming years. Well, I, I live in New Zealand, and they're actually trying to pass a tax where they're um, they're taxing uh, cow farts. So maybe we can uh, load up some Bitcoin rigs on the cows. Yeah, that would be quite a uh, that would be quite a scene, huh? <laughs> And in and, and um, all, all, all scenarios, though, you know, cow farts aside, um, there is that sort of anti-meat, uh, let's, you know, uh, not um, continue breeding cows and all that sort of stuff. But that's that's perhaps a whole separate argument. Um, are you – so looking at YouTube video before, um, I think it's North Dakota. Is that your uh, main facility? Uh, right now, the facility that's going up next month is in um, Wisconsin. And so that facility is 100% hydro. Our uh, president and chief operating officer were actually just there. And uh, this morning, we're in a, a Twitter space is talking a little bit more about the site. But uh, let's say that you go onto SAS Mining's website and you want to start mining. You can hop on the wait list. And then once your mining rig's ready, uh, well, you can reserve your spot on the wait list for $100. And then once your mining rig's ready, we'll collect the rest of the capital for the mining rig. And then you fully own a mining rig. It's being run on 100% hydropower. And the Bitcoin that's being generated from that mining rig is being deposited directly uh, into your wallet. So I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. But I, I was really impressed with the, um, you've, it's the old world meeting the new world. Uh, you were showing off those generators that were like, what? 
100, 100 plus years old, those two massive generators in the hydro dam. Yeah. And uh, that's absolutely fantastic because my, in theory, like we all know it, joking aside, we all know it, um, Bitcoin could actually be um, significant in terms of uh, combating climate change. Um, but from a mainstream, you know, people only look at Facebook on the mainstream news, Bitcoin is, you know, public enemy number one sort of thing. Um, the economic reality, and you're obviously talking with energy companies and you're sort of in that space. Um, are you worried at all about regulation or perhaps public backlash or whatever, or is that just complete nonsense? Well, it's there, so it has to be, of course, be addressed. And at the end of the day, the regulators are going to approach it how the regulators decide. You saw in China, for example, they tried banning Bitcoin mining. What I think shows the resilience of the mining network, though, is that there's still mining happening in China today. And if the most authoritarian government can't stop Bitcoin mining, then that's a very important data point for any other country in the entire world who's le- who's left with the decision. Like if you're in charge of America or insert other country where Bitcoin mining is happening, what do you do? Do you try and ban it? Well, if you ban it, it's still going to happen. You're not going to stop it. Or are you going to allow it to flourish and make money off of it and have a booming domestic industry with mining? Or are you going to incentivize it and really capitalize on this technology? And I think that at the end of the day, uh, there are going to be different attack vectors on it. I think that this environmental, uh, even though there is no grounding in reality, when you dig into what's actually happening uh, regarding the environmental side, uh I think that is going to continue to be an attack vector. And that's just something that as an industry and as a Bitcoiner that you're going to have to be able to talk about or field questions on. Uh, But at the end of the day, I I think that it only makes the the network stronger. Uh, Bitcoin's at a point where I truly believe it's going to be the global reserve asset for the entire world. Um, And I think that's going to happen much sooner than people realize. And the mining network is what makes Bitcoin Bitcoin. And I think that we just got to appreciate that whatever is going to happen is going to happen. There are going to be attacks on it. When you're when you're as disruptive of a technology as Bitcoin, then you're going to rough, uh, rustle some some uh, feathers, and you just have to deal with that. Uh, absolutely, and um, we'll get into decentralization as well uh, a little bit later. Um, what we, we throw out statistics all the time. What what percentage of the Bitcoin? I'm, I'm asking you like you're the president of Bitcoin mining. Well. Uh, what, what what percentage of Bitcoin mining is renewable and h- how many miners are there out there? Yeah, th- there was the Masari report that actually just got released. Um, it, was, I, it was either this morning or yesterday. I, I can't remember. Um, but what this report talks about is it talks about a lot of these key metrics and the percentage of mining that was done to, with renewable energy Previously, and I believe it was Q2 of 2021, was uh, 37%. Uh, now, the, the most recent figure that just came out was that the, the um, amount is over 60%. Uh, don't quote me on this, but I think it's 67% uh, of, the, of the mining is happening with renewable energy. Um, and so the way that they're capturing this data is with a lot of the biggest miners that are going out and publicly sharing, okay, this is our energy mix, these are the percentages, and um, these large miners represent just over um, 50% of the network. So in terms of looking at the network as a whole, you're looking at one of the most 
sustainable industries in the world. No one else looks at an industry the way that people are attacking Bitcoin right now. Like, we don't look at your shirt and say, okay, well, what that shirt was made in a factory that was consuming energy from a grid that was 40% coal. So you have an unrenewable shirt. Let's ban shirts and make everyone go shirtless. Like that, that sounds ridiculous, right? Um, you can insert some other piece of clothing if you want to just really show how ridiculous that, that statement is. But that is the attack vector that's happening on Bitcoin, right? And so uh, even under those unfair circumstances, you're looking at the most renewable, uh, sustainable, friendly network um, or industry out there. So with this, Will, um, say I go to SAS Money, you just mentioned before jumping on a mailing list. Now, I don't actually buy a rig. It's not sent to my home. I don't have to set it up. I'm buying a rig from SAS Mining. It's set up somewhere in Wyoming, somewhere in the US. Um, do I have to buy an entire rig or can I buy a fraction of a rig? How does that actually work? That's a great question. Yes. Yeah, so we, we are not going to be sending a rig to your house. Don't worry. You, uh, you get to purchase it through the website and you own a mining rig that's being run in the facility um, in Wisconsin. Uh, to the second part of your question, yes, you have to buy um, at least one rig. And so the pricing on those rigs, it's it's not like you can buy a fraction of a rig. And that goes in large part into securities law. Uh, so we can't you know, divvy up the shares and, uh, and sell those shares. But uh, if you have enough to purchase a single rig, then you fully own that rig. And the Bitcoin that's being produced by that rig, we're not, we're not upcharging the cost of the rig. We're not upcharging the hosting. We're trying to take a customer first approach because we want to make the customer experience good. We want you as a customer to do really well mining. And that's one of the big things that you just haven't seen in the entire mining industry up until today. Uh, you've heard like these horror stories with like other cloud mining and other types of mm-hmm. companies that have tried to make mining accessible to people, but they haven't done it in a way where they're, they're basically fighting on behalf of the customer. And so that's what we're doing. We're not upcharging the power or the hardware. We want to make it uh, very attractive for you to begin mining. Sorry, just a couple of devil's advocate questions here, if you don't mind, Will. So yeah. if I'm, I mean, this setup sounds great because it helps people get in the mining a lot simpler than having to yeah, load one up themselves. Um, what's the counterparty risk here? Like, um, how do I know I'm actually receiving the Satoshis that I've earned? The SAS money keep a percentage of yourselves as operating costs. How does that actually work? Yeah. The, the way that we've approached it is we try to align our incentives with customers. So um, the way that the Bitcoin gets divided out, the, we're making money because we keep 15% of the Bitcoin that gets mined by the machine. We never touch your Bitcoin. The mining pool does. So let's say you buy one mining rig, right? You have... Uh, Bitmain S19J Pro 110 terahash. Uh, that big, the Bitcoin that's being generated from that machine is being sent out from the mining pool to your wallet and then to SAS Mining's wallet. So you're keeping 85%, we're keeping 15%. We're maximizing the um, performance of the hardware and um, we're passing through the electricity and the hardware at cost. Cool. And then the-, the last point on this that I think is important is that uh, we've done this very intentionally because sometimes people are upset that their mining rigs go down, right? And so we wanted to align incentives where we're not making money and, and winning unless our customers are winning, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, if the machine's off and not running, then 
we're not making any money either. So we're in it with our customers and saying, okay, well, we're going to do our best to keep these machines online as much as possible. And we're in it with the customers. Thanks for answering. That was a really good answer. And um, with the big coins that I receive, the Satoshis I receive as a consumer, are they um, non-KYC? Yeah. So this is one of my favorite parts about the, uh, about the product. When we went, when we set out to build it, we, we were asking the question, you know, what was, what's the product that we would want if we wanted to start mining? And so we've covered the ease of accessibility beginning to mine. Uh, but the big key is that when you go and sign up for our platform, you're just putting in your name and your email address. At the end of the day, we're a service layer platform that allows you to access mining. But we're not KYCing you as a customer of SAS Mining. Yeah, that was that was actually one of my questions. Um, and uh, I, I bought a Butterfly Labs miner way back in the day, and I'm still waiting for delivery about seven years later. So that's another story. Um, you guys good. are not, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, you guys are not cloud mining, which is an important distinction. And as you just mentioned, one of the major benefits is privacy. But let's say if someone had, I don't know, they, they've got $10,000. What? Why would they want to um, uh, use that with SAS mining as opposed to, say, just buying BTC? Yeah. Well, right off the bat, I, I do want to say that like, I will never go out there and tell someone that Bitcoin is a bad investment. Bitcoin is a great investment. I want to start off with that. Um, there are a lot of benefits to being a Bitcoin miner as well, though. Um, when you're a Bitcoin miner, you own a piece of hardware, and then that hardware is generating more and more Bitcoin over time. And so uh, a lot of people find this type of investment very attractive, right? Because um, you're owning that hard asset, and that hard asset's giving you passive income. Uh, it's similar to uh, almost like like real estate on steroids, Um there's a calculator that we have on, on the website that uses historical data for hash rate and Bitcoin price to forecast. But at the end of the day, uh, if you're a big believer in Bitcoin, then um, then you think it's going to do very well. If Bitcoin goes to zero, then it's obviously not going to do well. I'm personally of the belief that that would never, ever happen <laughs> um, with the price of Bitcoin. But um, yeah, Bitcoin miner, it's just a different way to get exposure. It, it's a way for you to own a hard asset and dollar cost average into Bitcoin. Well, the huge advantage, as I said, is you're getting K- non-KYC Bitcoin. And, and I know a lot of people have mined Bitcoin at a 20%, even 30% loss just to get that virgin Bitcoin that doesn't have any transactional history. So uh, yeah. that can't be un- understated. Um, yeah. And, is, and is, one, of the, one, yeah. one of the big things about mining as well is that the th- this is another important point about why we built the platform is that with, with Bitcoin mining, you really need to be able to get into the deals that are good, right? If you go and you buy a miner just on some random website or you tried to start mining today, you're going to be paying a much higher price than someone who has relationships with the manufacturers. And so that's another benefit of SaaS mining is that we're going, we're leveraging the relationships that we've built in the industry and we're buying and sourcing the best pricing on the miners possible and every one of our customers is being bolted into a single order. So you're getting the economies of scale for discounted pricing, but you don't have to buy millions of dollars worth of mining rigs to get that type of pricing. Well, not, not to mention the cost of maintenance as well. Um, having a miner running 24-7, you know, you've gone off to work and your miner's off. It's like, oh, you've missed eight hours of mining. So I, I think the maintenance can't be understated. As you said, you know, you've got guys there 
uh, checking, make sure the miners are up to date. Not only that, but the firmware. 100%. I mean, I'm are you using S19s and do you have custom firmware or uh, what? Give, give us some of the technical details. Yeah. So right off the bat, I want to explain that I'm not going to be the ones who are actually running the miners, but um, the, the, uh, the, I'm forgetting the name of the exact type of firmware that we're using, but the general understanding of how it works is that with this custom firmware, we're going to be able to get the, the maximum amount of hash rate out of that same machine to make sure that the amount of Bitcoin that's being generated is the most Bitcoin that you can generate possible from those machines. Um, but yeah, in terms of the specific type of custom firmware that's going to be run on the hardware, I, I'm actually not exactly sure. <laughs> no, that's cool. Um, I, I guess one question, I'm just trying to put myself in a potential customer's mindset um, because there have been a lot of cloud mining scams. You know, you sign up for whatever money you get an account, but it's numbers on a screen and, you know, they may be defunct, they may be bankrupt, they may just pay out a little bit, but then not eventually... So how do you alleviate those fears? Like, are you doing nightly payouts to external, like the customer's wallet or how, how would you alleviate those fears? Yeah, a hundred percent. And that was one of the big things that we were also considering when we were building it. Like, how do you, because you have a lot of cloud miners and we are not cloud mining. I want to say that, but you've had cloud miners or people who try and give, get who have given retail investors access to mining um, in the past. And they just set such a bad rep. For one, with cloud mining, you don't own the hardware, right? Uh, with SaaS mining, you own the hardware. The second big piece is that we're never touching your Bitcoin. The mining pool is. So the hash um, at, and the payouts are coming directly from the mining pool into your wallet. So, um, yeah, we're we're never touching the, the Bitcoin. You get to put in your own Bitcoin address where the payouts are going to, and it's just directly deposited in there. And this is one of the big things that we um, that we realized when we were testing the product um, and a lot of the user testing, we realized that a lot of people, they unlike cloud mining, they want to actually own their, their asset. They want to own the miner. But then on top of that, they also don't want anyone else touching their Bitcoin. They want the Bitcoin directly deposited into the Bitcoin wallet that they provide. So yeah, you're prompted to provide your own Bitcoin wallet and that's where the Bitcoin is going to be sent. And well, sorry, just on that, um, consumer protection. So let's just say worst case scenario, says money goes under the, if I put in funds to purchase a mining rig, how do I get access to my rig? Do I get my funds back? What consumer protection is there? Yeah. And so this is one of the big differences that we've, and how we're approaching it. Then for example, our, our closest competitor out there, um, compass mining, the, the way that we approach it is that we are not taking your funds in and using it for other, other things, right? So um, what when your money comes in, that's being earmarked specifically for purchasing your miner. Uh, one of the big things that happened in the past, and when you talk about counterparty risk, one of the big problems is, is that you had these companies that were going out, collecting the money, and then using that money to finance other sites or tie down other hosting sites and using it for other things that aren't directly tied to your mining purchase. Um, so that's one of the big differences. We're not going and taking it in and using it for something else. Like that's specifically earmarked for your mining rig. And worst case scenario, if something were to happen, we haven't spent that money that was supposed to be used to buy your mining rig. And so that is still earmarked for you as the customer. 
Okay. Okay. Thanks, Will. Yeah. No, it's um. Like I said, we haven't had any. I'm sorry for grilling you. We just have not. No, done I, I'm happy. Episode in the, the, a long the, time. Yeah. So yeah, I, you're uh, you're getting a lot of gears moving in my head. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm happy that you're asking all these questions too, because I I do think it's important to um to share all this information and and be transparent. I think that one of the big issues, um, specifically in the retail mining industry, is that. People haven't been transparent about what's happening and haven't communicated properly with customers. So um, I appreciate, you know, asking all these questions because it allows us to share what exactly is our approach to allowing anyone to begin mining Bitcoin. No, we appreciate it uh, very much. Now, let's just say, sorry, one more thing that's popped in my head. Say I buy in and down the road, say, okay, I actually want my miner. Can I do that? Can I say, SAS money, I actually want my money. Can you send it to me? Is that something that you would do or how would that, what would happen in that event? Yeah, right now, initially, you're being locked in for at least one year um, with mining. But the whole goal here is that we want to make the uh, operations as efficient as possible. So we we don't want people going and selling and having miners shipped all over the country. Um, if th- that's something that we've talked about allowing, but we don't want to make it super easy because then it just makes the operational capabilities of managing every single customer, sending miners all over the place, very difficult. And on the other end, we're locking in these contracts to actually run the machine. So if you go and you sell out your machine, then there's another machine that has to go in that spot and coordinating all that. Um, right. So it is a logistical challenge to make that possible, uh, but it is something that we're working on. Cool. So and you guys are Bitcoin only for sure. Or yeah. Oh, Bitcoin only. Yeah. Yeah. I, I almost regret earlier saying, uh, you know, how we initially didn't start doing Bitcoin mining, but I think, you know, it, it does, everyone goes down the journey. And, and I mm-hmm. think just like what we talked about earlier, all roads lead back to Bitcoin. And um, yeah, we're, oh, we're every, very, very focused been, on Bitcoin yeah. now. Everyone's been on that journey. Like, I mean, because Gordon said he comes from a tech background and Gordon told me about Bitcoin 2013, I think it was. I didn't really appreciate it until 2016, coming from an economic standpoint. And I just went Bitcoin only. Um, and then, yeah, Gordon as well. I mean, he was, you were excited to develop on Ethereum platform and all this kind of stuff, but he's, he's keeping more Bitcoin next than I have no now. idea what you're talking about. I've always been Bitcoin only. <laughs> no, I've, I've sent father. I've sent, I've bought XRP and all kinds of stuff, but I, I think that was actually good for me because I've done a whole 360 and you, and you realize why not just uh, Bitcoin is sound money, but also it goes down to, I mean, it's appropriate that we're talking about. We look at inflation today. We look at Ethereum going to proof of stake, um, mining decentralization, as you said, um, is so important to, um, yeah, decentralizing the Bitcoin network and the hashing power gives it that power. And I think, I think people still don't realize it. Like even after we've had many podcasts and conversations, um, people, I think still don't realize it. And, and, and specifically talking about proof of stake, they're like, this is great. You know, it's saving the environment. Um, there's no mining, there's no energy consumption. Um, I think it's going to be a disaster and just going to put, uh, power in the hands of exchanges because you're going to be incentivized to hold your Bitcoin on exchanges, not in hardware wallets, mm. and it's going to centralize it if if anything. So um, yeah, what you there, guys there are doing is fantastic. on proof of stake right now. I mean, I I feel like uh, it, it's hard to explain like specifically, but but the. the a proof of stake network and having that as your protocol inherently isn't uh, 
isn't shielded from attack vectors. Like tomorrow, let's say like the U.S. and China, not saying that this would happen, but they wanted to come together or the U.S. alone wanted to have a vendetta against a proof of stake network. They could go and they could stop Ethereum. They could go and stop a proof of stake network. There are points of failure or or people that they could go target to go and influence and, and really take over, shut down, or, or ruin that network. And there is no single attack vector with mining and proof of work that a government can go and attack to stop it, to stop Bitcoin. And that's a big distinction. That's important because if there is that attack vector, like you have in a proof of stake network, then you're susceptible. And all these things, when you talk about sound money, when you talk about immutability, when you talk about the rules being written in the code, none of that happens if it has an attack vector where a centralized entity can go and mess it up. Whereas with Bitcoin, you don't have that problem. And I think that that's so important. And right now, it's a weird situation. I'm wishing the Ethereum community the best. And I think that there is definitely possibilities that value gets created. But right now, they're almost akin to like a uh, to a, a, a startup company that's finding product market fit. Uh, you know, they're they're still searching for those killer applications, and um, and you know, who, who knows how it's going to play out. So, well, again, you've got my brain ticking over again. Um, let's just say, um, worst case scenario, we see U.S. reenact um, something similar to the 1933 Emergencies Act, where FDR banned the uh, ownership of gold. Say they go, we want to do the same thing with Bitcoin mining. We're banning Bitcoin mining. They obviously can't go to individuals' houses and grab their rigs. But would public corporations like SAS Mining, Compass Mining, would they be at any risk? Do you, do you actually foresee this happening at a, at a federal level? Because um, I know some states, like Wyoming, are running with mining. So is this a risk on the horizon? Is this something that kind of you have to consider? Yeah, when, when you're mining Bitcoin, it's very, very important to understand all the dynamics at play. And you just brought up the regulatory risk side, right? Um, I'm not going to name any names, but you saw a lot of customers who are mining retail getting their miners shut down and taken down in Russia, right? Um, one of the things that we're also trying to focus on that says mining is trying to, I mean, we're your partner in this. If the miners get shut down or taken down, then that completely cuts off our revenue stream. And that means that we also didn't make money on the miner because we're selling it to you at cost and same with the electricity. So we're trying to place miners in good areas. And so then it goes to the next part of your question, a federal versus state, right? Let's say the federal government says, hey, we want to shut down mining. We want to ban mining. There's a lot of game theory that would prohibit them from making that. But if they make an irrational choice and they say we're banning mining, then what happens? Well, then, like you mentioned, you're going to have a federal versus state battle. And so, for example, in Texas or some of these other areas, how is the state going to react? Is the state going to recognize that the federal government banned it? Or are are the states going to stand up and say, no, we want to continue allowing mining because it's helping our our industry. It's helping our energy sector. It's providing a lot of um, taxable revenue for the for the community. These are things that will happen. And, and that's one of the, the beauties of the way that the U.S. system is set up, where you have more uh, private property rights than other countries, so to say. Um, but, yeah, I mean, of course, anything's possible. We've seen a lot of black swan events just in the past three years here. And so the, the best thing that you can do is make a smart decision with your capital. I, I like to say that at the end of the day, 
no one's going to look out for you as hard as you're going to look out for yourself. And so you got to make smart decisions with where you go and try and protect your value. I mean, you've seen banks in other countries just shut off access to their uh, customers' funds, right? That's why you want to have custody of your Bitcoin, for example. Um, there are a lot of different pieces in play. You want people um, and you want the ability to have access to funds and be able to take that um, ownership of it so you can protect yourself. So if you're stuck in a country where your banking shut off, you still have access to value through Bitcoin that you can go and liquidate and get yourself out of the country or whatever it may be. Well, my dad's been in Lebanon lately, and they've actually had people breaking, in, robbing the bank, breaking in, taking hostage just just to get their own money out. Yeah, I mean, it, it's I forget the the saying, but isn't it like there's a, a certain number of um, days on an empty stomach until you have riots? I'm forgetting the quote here. Um, but, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's like people, their survival instinct will kick in. If you, if you don't have access to food, if you can't feed yourself or your family, uh, then you're going to go to crazy lengths to be able to make that happen. And um, I think that you just got to be prepared for anything in today's day and age. And I think that Bitcoin yeah. and Bitcoin mining are what's really saving a lot of people who are prepared out there who see that anything's possible and, and are prepared for the worst. Oh yeah. We're just, you know, in the West inverted commas, we're just getting um, inflation now, whereas yeah, countries like Venezuela, Libya, um, I mean, the Arab spring was, was caused by inflation. They've been experiencing it and they've had to prepare. They, this is where they've appreciated Bitcoin. Um, whereas yeah, it's one of those things where unfortunately, as you said, people look into Bitcoin when it's not when it's too late, but when they need to, not when they should have. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure you've done your due diligence as well. It's probably why you haven't set up in California or somewhere like that. Um, yeah, electricity um, out there is wild. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's, it's actually, it, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy to think about. Um, and electricity, people don't realize this electricity is so core to, to, to your life, right? I mean, like, even though it, it's not as obvious with many things, the, the fact that we're even talking right now. We're we're able to do Zoom podcasts over Zoom and able to live in the types of houses we live in. All of this is a trickle down from us being able to harness energy well. And uh, I think that at the end of the day, you have a lot more human flourishing if you can harness more energy more efficiently. So I think it's important to incorporate Bitcoin mining help accelerate and electrify the grid, electrify the world. And then you're increasing the standard of living for everyone around the world. I mean, it's easy for us in the West or uh, us in the West to, to say, Hey, we should cut down the amount of energy that you're being used. But at the end of the day, you, you know, you, you could be cutting off the energy that could be used to build hospitals, used to build all these other things that people need to survive. Um, if you don't have 24 seven electricity, you don't have a hospital. If you don't have a hospital, you have a lot of um, unnecessary um, unnecessary deaths. And it sounds very gruesome and gory to say it, but um, it's the truth. I mean, at the end of the day, you need these things to, to um, promote human flourishing. And yes, we can make a decision to say, hey, we're not gonna, we're not gonna utilize electricity. We're gonna shut down these forms of electricity. That's fine, but we just have to be cognizant of the repercussions of shutting that off. Um, yeah, go go live in a tent. That's yeah. that, that's a suggestion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, some people like camping. You know, 
<laughs> and anyone who says energy is bad is either intellectually extremely lazy or they work for Greenpeace. Like it, it's just <laughs> intellectually it's such, dishonest. Yeah, it, it really is. And and as you said, um, you know, uh, it's not energy is good, and you know that's how civilizations built. It's just a matter of where they get that energy. Yeah. Um, Do you think I, that you're going to be like traveling amongst the stars, like a type one civilization <laughs> yeah, by right. harnessing less energy? It's like, do you think yeah. we're going to do that harnessing less energy? It's like, like what kind of future do you want? I think a lot of this, like when you start thinking about it from a first principles perspective, it's like, what are the outcomes that you're looking for? It's like, if we really want to like remove energy consumption around the world or completely stop it, then like, all right, no humans. Is that a good solution? No, that's not a good solution. It's like, okay, well, some people won't. Yeah. It's like, okay, do we want to cap it to like a thousand people? Do we want to cap it to a million, a billion, 10 billion, a hundred billion? Do we want I to think be Prince on this Charles planet? wants 500 million. That's what he said. <laughs> See, exactly. You know, you, you never know how many, uh, everyone has a different, uh, different measuring stick. And, uh, it's, it's very, very difficult to, to come to smart conclusions if, if you have these crazy, crazy assumptions for what you want your goals to be. And and why is Bitcoin mining especially? Why 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 is there such a fuss of? I I don't know. There's a lot of statistics, but I I saw a couple of infographics of Bitcoin was like less than point zero one percent of you know the world's energy, and especially compared with the US dollar. Why is Bitcoin held to such this standard of you guys must be hundred percent green and you guys are killing the world and whatnot? You know, it's just yeah. ridiculous. So I I had I have some uh, some stats on this. Um, over two thirds of the total energy that we can produce is wasted today. Um, you can power the entire Bitcoin network with less than half a percent of the total wasted energy in the world today. So for less than half a percent, you can provide hope to billions and billions of people around the world. Met one of the really interesting conversations that I've had on our podcast, um, the SAS Mining podcast is with uh, Brandon Quittum. He's one of our advisors to SAS Mining. He's also um, with Swan Bitcoin. And he talks a lot about Bitcoin mining being like the pioneer species. And he walks through an example, right? Let's say that um, you're a Bitcoin miner. You want to produce Bitcoin. Well, you need cheap electricity to produce Bitcoin competitively. So you're going to scour the globe for the cheapest energy that you can possibly find. Well, these are in very remote areas. It's in areas where there's not a lot of people, where there's not a lot of demand for that electricity. So you find uh, some stranded energy assets and you find a cheap way to produce electricity and you power a Bitcoin mine. Well, you need people to work at that Bitcoin mine. You need a community to service the people who are working by that Bitcoin mine. You might build a bar. You might build more houses. You might develop a larger, still small community. Then before you know it, you have a whole community that was bootstrapped and started because of the need, the, the consumption of the electricity, the building of the energy asset, and the need to service the people in the community. As the community grows, the electricity gets more expensive because there's more demand for that electricity. Now, all of a sudden, it's not profitable for you to be a Bitcoin miner there, and you go and you bootstrap another community, another stranded power asset. And so in this example that we just walked through, you just saw, you just heard exactly the mechanics and where the incentives play out of how Bitcoin mining is like the pioneer species to go and electrify more stranded power assets, to go and spread, um, to, to spread human flourishing, really, and the ability to support human life. 
And um, mm-hmm. it's just such an incredible incentive that Bitcoin mining and the energy sector have together. I love that analogy of, of the uh, pioneer because um, when people, when I do my Bitcoin basics talks and meetups and all that, and the people say, oh, Bitcoin wastes electricity. And I'll just say, compared to what? And you have to compare like for like. What other um, store of wealth that can provide um, funds to the world's unbanked? You know, half the world's population is unbanked. They have act, they don't have access to a bank account. Bitcoin can provide that. So you have to compare Bitcoin to something else that does that. And there isn't. So you can't compare Bitcoin to, you know, YouTube engagements. It's not the same thing. You know? Yeah. And this, that's to me. And I, I've got to learn to be a bit more patient <laughs> when people criticize Bitcoin's energy mining. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's a one. So that's, I'm going to use that one because that, that's me. It's just where I say you got, you got to compare it to something else of equivalent. And there is nothing of equivalent to Bitcoin right now. Yeah. A, a lot of times what I've noticed is that. E- you can't start with the energy conversation. You first have to understand what Bitcoin is and does and why it's valuable. Um, and a lot of times, like you're seeing these, like the attacks on the energy usage for Bitcoin, a lot of it's being done by people who don't understand Bitcoin, who don't understand Bitcoin mining, yeah. who don't understand energy. So why would you possibly listen to that person's opinion on this? It's like, if, if I go into your house, and and uh and i'm a plumber right and then someone else comes in who's not a plumber and says oh actually i think you should do this 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 and this it's like with all due respect i want to listen to the plumber the person who actually understands how to fix this problem and and a lot of the times you have the uh the the people who are in this analogy who are criticizing bitcoin and bitcoin mining they just know nothing about it so why why should we listen to those opinions I can agree more with understanding this in our um, Bitcoin meetups, our workshops, half the time we're talking about Bitcoin, the first half, we actually talk about the gold standard and fiat currency. And mm-hmm. most people actually don't, you know, have not had the time or appreciation for that. And you can't understand Bitcoin without understanding the current system that we're under or the system that we're in, a commodity-based currency versus a fiat-based currency. So half the time to set up people to understand Bitcoin, they need to know that first. And yeah. and in fairness, Ferris. I, I mean, I vaguely knew that, but I didn't really know what's the difference between money and currency, you know, how, how, how these systems work. So in fairness, you know, I, I was ignorant as well. So that there is that learning process and we have to be a bit patient with that. Um, William, I want to get back to SAS mining and you've piqued my interest. And so I'm a potential customer. Maybe I've got some Bitcoin, maybe I don't, maybe I'm interested in mining. Could you, I mean, we've sort of talked about it, but could you run through the process from sort of start to, you know, finish sort of thing? Let's say I've got $10,000 for one of a better number. How does that process work? Like, could you lead us through the steps of what happens? Yeah, hundred percent. Well, you're in good luck because with $10,000, you're able to buy two Bitcoin miners on Saz Mining's website. And the way that you do it, you go on to uh, www.sasmining.com. And you can click get started and choose the number of rigs that you want to purchase. So in your case, you have $10,000. You would want to purchase two rigs and it costs $100 per rig to reserve it. So you'd be putting down $200 today. And then once the order is ready to be put in and your mining rigs ready, then we'll charge you the rest of the money. So then you would ACH wire in uh, the rest of the 
the total cost of the miner. And then you'll put in your Bitcoin address and you'll start receiving the Bitcoin from that miner. And you'll also own the mining rig, the hard asset. So we, we've tried to make it very, very simple. What we've noticed is a lot of people are just kind of stunned and not able to become miners because there's so much complexity to it. So our approach was we wanted to completely take the complexity out. We wanted to make it where you select the number of miners that you want, you hop on the wait list, do the $100 per mining rig. And then once your miner's ready, we call the rest of the capital and then you own that miner and you're up in mining. It's super, super simple. Um, that, sound, that sounds pretty simple. Can you, this sounds ridiculous. Can you pay Bitcoin? Of course. Yeah. You can pay with Bitcoin, stable coin, uh, obviously US dollars. Uh, you know, we're, we're a team full of Bitcoiners at, at our heart. That's one of the big things that we look for when we're recruiting. Uh, we want people who are passionate about this because if you're passionate about something, you'll do anything you can to make sure that it works because you're working towards something bigger. And at, right. even though we're a platform that makes it easy for people to begin mining, our vision at SAS Mining is to improve the way humanity relates to money and energy. And I think we've talked on or touched on a lot of those topics today. I think with Bitcoin mining and decentralizing mining and making it accessible, you're improving the way that humanity relates to money. And then on the energy side, there's so many benefits for the world and for the energy sector from mining. And so we want to allow anyone through SaaS Mining's platform to make money. Like it's like you have your own money printer through the Bitcoin miner, but that Bitcoin miner supporting the energy sector. Mm. That, that really is our focus. Uh, I, I mean, it, that, that's amazing. As you said, from an ideological point of view, and even if you're not into Bitcoin, from an economic point of view, um, from a privacy point of view, you if you pay with Bitcoin, you're essentially what? Giving up your name and email address. That's that's all what you guys require. Yep, just your name and your email address. We, we were on the Twitter spaces earlier, um, Cafe Bitcoin uh, put on by Swan, and um, like someone asked the question, of, oh, well, can you do it through an LLC, whatever it may be? And we're like, yes. Uh, and and we're like, yeah, you know, we're, we're not really going to be able to tell who you're like, how you're doing it. So you can you can put in what your like your email, your name, you can do it through a corporation. And uh, it's on you to figure out how you how you want to handle it. I, I don't think people are worried about you. They're perhaps worried about other three letter agencies, uh, perhaps getting information <laughs> from you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I'm very impressed. I have to admit, um, yeah, Bitcoin mining, like I said, is one of those things where we were long overdue to talk about it. And um, thank you very much for coming on. You've actually explained things really, really well, and I know our audience will appreciate it. And I know I'm keen to give uh, SAS Mining a go. Can we have you back once we've actually logged on and um, joined SAS Mining and just provided a bit of a, a guide and feedback? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I'd love to come back on, especially once. Uh, once we fully onboarded our customers for this initial tranche, gotten them off the wait list. And yeah, thank you guys again for having me on. This was a lot of fun and um, yeah, we'll have to do it again. Oh, thank you. I mean, I, I think there are probably a lot, and this is the Bitcoin basics podcast. I think there are a lot of people who are sort of just, maybe they've got Bitcoin. Um, maybe they've got it stuck in the hardware wallet and they're kind of like, well, what's next? You know, what, mm. um, how, you know, how else do I get rid of my dirty fiat and actually make it, <laughs> You know what they could they could buy more BTC, but as you said, um, they could use SAS mining, and obviously you're getting the benefit from more BTC, and uh, but there's the privacy aspect as well. And I know I'm harping on about that, but 
I don't think that can be understated that you are getting Bitcoin from a miner. And, and in terms of blockchain, um, for, for those listening who, who don't know, um, when you get Bitcoin from an exchange or, or from someone else, there's this, all this transaction history and you might not care about that, but you may care about that in five or 10 years time. So to get virgin Bitcoin, you know, without any transaction history behind it is, is super valuable. And, and in the future, that may be a premium. Like there may be. Bitcoin and exchanges versus, you know, virgin Bitcoin that's being sold for, you know, 30% premium. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that there's, there's definitely a lot of value in that. And um, yeah, at the end of the day, it's uh, I, as I mentioned, I'm never going to say Bitcoin is, is bad. I think anything involving Bitcoin is great. The one last piece that I will give um, in terms of like a tidbit of information, I think is really interesting is the way that you've seen mining perform. So if you dive into mining, you look at the analysis. Uh, mining is kind of like a, um, it, it's like a uh, extended position of where the current market currently is. And so you saw during the bull market when prices were high, the mining rigs were extremely, extremely expensive and the valuations were extremely, extremely high. I would say too, too much compared to just Bitcoin, for example. Um, then as you saw the price going to the bear market, you saw the price of the miners absolutely collapse, like more so than the actual price of Bitcoin collapse. And, um, and so it's, I'm, I'm messing up the word or I'm not sure exactly what the proper uh, financial term is for that, but it's like a, um, so does hash rate follow price or price follows hash rate? Well, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is like, when when prices are low and you're in and when you're in bear markets, it's an extremely extremely good time to own a miner because I could run you through a scenario where these miners, uh, the, the exact same piece of hardware that you're looking at buying was was over two and a half times that price not too long ago, um, like just a, just a, a handful of months ago, right? And then the market crash came down from from forty k, and then all of a sudden now you're looking at a miner price that is just absolutely unheard of. And if the price shoots back up, those miners become much more valuable. So if you own that hard asset, you're not only making more money from the cash flow from your Bitcoin, but your mining machine that you bought also goes up in value if the price shoots up. So that's something to be aware of. And if you're buying a miner, if the price goes down, that price action is exacerbated in your mining hardware. If the price shoots up, that appreciation in your asset price is uh, exacerbated. So if you, um, that, that's something to keep in mind. If you're very bullish on Bitcoin, then you want to be, be able to buy miners in a bear market. If you think that Bitcoin's going to collapse, then you probably don't want to buy a Bitcoin miner because that collapse is going to be felt even harder as the price crashes. So just something to keep in mind if you're out there and you're considering mining, just know where you're getting in and, and be informed hmm. about what you think is going to happen in the price because uh, the mining hardware feels up up movements and down movements more than Bitcoin. It's a good time is to that, get in now. Yeah. Is that just supply and demand? Like if price of Bitcoin is going up, you get more people want to get in, you get the FOMO. Are more people looking to mine? And so there's just more demand than supply? Yeah, th this is where you get into the weeds. I think it's it's really fascinating. Um, when you think about it, a miner is like someone who's going long on Bitcoin. 
Why is that? It's because with Bitcoin, you can sell it like that. You can just sell it on exchange. You could sell it instantly. If you have a miner, it's much more difficult to sell out of that position. So when you're buying into a miner, you're really saying, I believe in Bitcoin. I'm going, I'm, I'm holding a much like less liquid asset than being able to liquidate in like a minute. Right. And, um, a lot of the manufacturers who are pricing these, they know the dynamics at play for the miners. Um, they know the dynamics at play for the return on investment with the cat when you plug these minor miners into the mining profitability calculators. And so you just see the price swings. It, it's, it just cons- consistently happens in the markets because of all these different dynamics where um, when the price shoots up, you see the miners shoot up by more than that in the percentage basis and same thing on the way down. Okay. So that makes sense. $5,000 get started today. Yeah. The price has, has gone down from that. So um, the, the, the big key that we do um, that we use the website for is you can hop on the wait list, but we've had people who've signed up for the wait list when Bitcoin was at like $8,000 that are now still going to be able to buy with us when the price is much lower. So we've actually saved a lot of people money with our wow. type of approach. And that's one of the things where we say we're an advocate for the customers is because let's say that they'd gone to one of our competitors, they would have put up that capital and they would have taken that in and they would still be waiting on their miner to get yeah. plugged in and delivered. And they would already be really large in the hole. And mm-hmm. so our approach is we're trying to not have our customers as exposed to that and just waiting on capital that's not even being deployed. So um, we really believe wow. that this type of approach, a customer first approach is what's going to blow the doors open into Bitcoin mining. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to so, provide that great experience or else people aren't going to want to mine. And so we aim to go and build that experience. How, how long is the wait list at the moment, Will? Well, right now the, the wait list we're servicing is going uh, for customers in December. Um, so if you want to begin mining in December, we're at 90% capacity for that um, that go live date. And and believe me, for, for mining and getting miners or whatever, that's that's actually a short turnaround if you, if oh, you yeah. look I mean, at ordering miners. <laughs> yeah, just to give people out there uh, some background on this, like you've seen other people who've been on wait lists for over a year at at, a, at different points in time. Um, so we've really been very intentional with how we've structured it to try and get people live very quickly and not tie up their capital. And that's why we're using a wait list. Like there are some disadvantages from our perspective as a company approaching it that way, but we want to give the best experience possible for the customers. So we're not collecting and making you wait like a year to have your miners turned on. So you're, you're providing these miners at cost. You obviously have your own expenditure in terms of maintenance or whatnot. How, how, I'm sorry if I missed it, but how are you guys making money? We're keeping 15% of the Bitcoin that's being mined by the hardware. Okay. Right. Yeah. Transaction fees, I mentioned. Yeah. Transaction fees and Bitcoin mining reward. Right. Well, sorry. Yeah. So let's yeah. say just Bitcoin mining numbers. and transaction fees. Yeah. Like for simple numbers, yeah. like if, if you, you're, if that piece of hardware generates like one Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. We we would keep 0.15 Bitcoin and you would keep yeah. 0.85 Bitcoin. And that's no, how we make money. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And um, you mentioned mining pools before. Are you mm-hmm. using your own mining pool? Are you joining existing ones? 
Yeah, we've got an integration with Luxor Mining, and then we've got um, we're speaking with a number of other mining pools right now to offer some more um, during later iterations. Okay, but yeah, the, the short answer is Luxor, and no, that's they, cool. They're great guys. There, um, I I know a number of guys on the team. I've known them for a while. They've been on the podcast, and um, yeah, we've we've got a great great relationship with those guys. And, and, and that's really important because we, a lot of Bitcoin, we talk about, you know, Bitcoin trustless system, permissionless that are, you know, you don't need anyone, you don't need to trust anyone. But in reality, you do. You sort of need to have those business relationships. You know, you're working yeah. with energy companies. You're probably working with state governments, mining companies, hardware manufacturers, and that's super important. Yeah. What, one other thing that, um, I think it is important for people to know is that the guy who's leading the ship internally from an operations point of view, um, Kent Halliburton, he's our president and, and chief operating officer. He has scaled up multiple organizations before in the solar industry, and he's actually executed this type of business model for solar panels, right? So instead of um, people getting like solar installed on their houses, like residential solar panels, uh, now he's doing mining rigs with SAS Mining. So we've got a lot of the big heavy hitters from the solar industry, bringing all that expertise. They've done it before. They've done it successfully. But now they're doing it for the Bitcoin mining industry here at SAS Mining. Um, and so in terms of just understanding the model, understanding the dynamics, being able to, to execute properly, we've got the, I would say, the best person in the entire world for this particular wow. business model at the helm doing it. And he came over because he's very passionate about um, not only energy and transitioning to sustainable energy, but also just the mining. He, he thinks Bitcoin mining, going back to the energy conversation, Bitcoin mining is the killer application for the mm. energy sector. Absolutely. Is, is so, this may be a rabbit hole. Is solar a viable um, method to mine Bitcoin? Yeah, this is one of the, the very, very fascinating things that... Um, that as I dove more and more into the energy sector that I learned is that the cost curves for solar are continuing to decline. And so if you look at a new solar development today, that's as cheap of energy as you can really find. But a lot of these times when you have these solar projects, they're being financed over many, many years. And if you're going into a project that was built a number of years ago, you're dealing with that capital stack and, and how that's being handled from, from an accounting perspective. But it, right now, solar is actually already at a point where if you're going with a new solar system being built today, that is the cheapest energy that you can really get. And so uh, it goes back to that famous Wayne Gretzky quote, right? You want to skate to where the puck's going mm -hmm. and where the puck is going is solar and renewable energy. And then tying in the Inflation Reduction Act, all aside from you know your views on that, there's a huge <laughs> amount of money going into renewables in um, in the U.S. I mean, this was just an absolutely unprecedented uh, bill. And, yeah. you know, in terms of being positioned uh, from a mining perspective, from an energy perspective, uh, it's just a pragmatic choice to be positioned in this type of a way. So, um, yeah, oh, it's we such, wanted, it's we, such early days. And for guy, people listening, like we, I know we talk about buying Bitcoin and just DCA Bitcoin, but this is something to really look into to our listeners because it's it's such like this is bitcoin you know 2012 2013 bitcoin mining for uh commercial market and i think there's only one bitcoin mining etf out there that's valkyrie we've we've had steve and leon several times um, oh nice so it's 
like, yeah, it's funny. People look at, you know, oh, $20,000 of Bitcoin. I missed the boat. No, you haven't. It's still <laughs> such early days. And oh, so early. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so yeah. exciting. I mean, we, I mean, not only can Bitcoin move from that 60% or whatever it is to 80, 90, 100% renewables, as you mentioned before, like trapping methane and actually becoming mm-hmm. carbon neutral, that's exciting as well. So whether you love or hate Bitcoin, uh, there's massive opportunities in terms of the environment. So Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it, it's really, it, it's so beautiful when you understand all the incentives for mining mm. and you see that, like not just becoming carbon neutral, but uh, I think Daniel Batten's research, um, I'm, I don't want to quote the exact year, but he gave a prediction for when uh, Bitcoin mining, become, the Bitcoin network becomes carbon negative. A lot of that hinges on the sustainable mix and then how much methane capture it goes into Bitcoin mining. But his his estimation was well within a decade for when the Bitcoin network mm. becomes carbon wow. negative. Um, and yeah, I mean... It's it's pretty crazy when you realize the ramifications of this technology applied to the energy sector. Uh, it's it's absolutely wild. Um, An exciting space to be in for sure. How many yeah. miners do you have at home or at work, William? Uh, so I, I think I was just telling you guys before starting to record today that I just moved. So um, I'm still getting everything moved in here. I, I actually do know some people who have used. Uh, Bitcoin miners just as um as like a heating device heating. because yeah. of the heat that's produced, yeah. but they're loud. That's the one problem. So I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend using mm-hmm. a uh, a Bitcoin miner as you know your your heater in the winter. I think a significant plugs. other would probably object to any Bitcoin miner being in the house. They're so loud. Yeah, not from personal like, not from personal experience at all. Of course. Yeah. Uh, on that note, um, uh, if someone's still listening to this. Uh, they're probably really interested in mining. Um, do you want to do a final plug, final thoughts? Where can people find you? All that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, well at the end of the day, I, I think that uh, it's very important that if you're out there, you, you make smart decisions. You go and figure out what's going on, learn about economics, learn about monetary policy, understand these things. And I mean, the simple prescription is, you know, buy Bitcoin and start mining Bitcoin. Um all the listeners out there, I'm sure at some point you've already dove down that and figured out how to buy Bitcoin. And I would say that this is that one next step is becoming a Bitcoin miner. Uh, there's there's something special that it's kind of hard to explain. But when you start mining Bitcoin, you're going one layer deeper. You're, you're not only supporting the network, you're supporting all these things we talk about from a humanity perspective, but you also are owning a hard asset that is giving you exposure to Bitcoin. So um, you know, we've been working really hard to finally bring this to market, make it accessible to people. And uh, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on the journey with us. We think that it's going to be a, a nice long journey ahead. And uh, Bitcoin mining through SaaS mining, we want that to be uh, a well-known thing out there. So go and tell your friends about it and uh, spread the message. We, you can become a Bitcoin miner by going on to sasmining.com. Uh, we've also got the podcast. And uh, yeah, we hope that you guys join the the mining journey with us. And thanks again to you guys for having having us on. And we'll definitely have to do this again once uh, we have all of our customers up and running. Absolutely. Well, we'll we'll be one of your customers. Don't worry. Um, Love it. That's great. I I, just from a personal journey, man, I've been put off by cloud mining. And as I said before, you know, I bought a butterfly that's machine that never arrived. So 
um, I I have a personal interest and uh, I'm in all seriousness, I will become a customer. Maybe I'll just start with a 5,000 and let's see where it goes. But as you said, big picture, I mean, this is about becoming self-sovereign. You know, you've got Bitcoin, what's next? You know, you've got Bitcoin exchange or even a hardware wallet. It's like, well, you know, running a full node, doing Bitcoin mining, all this sort of stuff is incrementally getting you away from, you know, the the centralized systems, not just the money systems, but other systems like privacy and security as well. So very important. Yeah. And and there's the personal point of view, which I think we, we've done a good job talking about um, in this episode, but it's also just like the broader view, right? There are so many people like the, the, I'm I'm of the belief that we're all like nodes in our own network, which sounds kind of weird to say, but we are. And and the decisions that we make and that we're intentional about, they affect other people. And so you going and supporting the network um, from talking about it, like this podcast reaches a whole number of people who are going to go out and have their own conversations. And then you have everyone who buys Bitcoin and and is involved in the network in that way. And then you have the whole mining network. And so all these things are interrelated. And if you're truly passionate about the Bitcoin network and what it could potentially become, what it can service to humanity, then this is another way that you can get involved with that. And um, I personally, I think that that's what's most exciting for uh, not only myself, but our team at SAS Mining. I think I, I mentioned that a little bit earlier, but uh, there is something in terms of that level of sovereignty, ownership, and, and contribution that I think is uh, felt specifically by a Bitcoin miner that many people out there don't really ever get to experience. Oh, it, 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 that's so exciting. And I'm, I'm going to steal that. So, you know, we're, we're the Bitcoin guys, right? Everyone knows, you know, uh, the Bitcoin guys or uncle, whoever, uncle, whatever. Um, I'm going to change that to the node. I'm, I'm a node. Hey, love it. Yeah, we're all nodes. Nodes of the network. That's, that's fantastic. Oh, well, I noticed that you're so green. You don't have electricity in your house right now and you're just <laughs> fading into darkness. But uh, thank you so much for your time. It's been a real pleasure. And uh, yeah, we really do look forward to catching up with you again. Yeah, thank you guys. Thanks again, Will. Yeah, that was fun. Thanks for watching or listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe, and share so we can spread this educational content to others like yourself. Visit bitcoinbasics.help. Disclaimer. Any content provided by CoinCompass is for educational and informational purposes only and is not investment, legal, tax, or any other professional advice. A qualified professional should be consulted before making any financial decisions. CoinCompass will at times recommend certain products, services, and technologies but these are opinions based upon our own or podcast guests' experience and not endorsements. We take no liability for out-of-date or inaccurate information, software bugs, manufacturing errors, technology misuse, or issues involving third parties. Visit coincompass.com for more information and please contact us.